those things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can take your seats. This may be one of the shortest preach. Because a lot of it has already been preached. This is our VBS Sunday, and as you uh, open your Bibles, the, uh, the one young man already quoted our text for me, but here at New Covenant Church, if you could bring the word cloud up, you'd be able to see that what we are is a Bible-believing church. We're gospel-driven, and uh, we are worship-cherishing. We want you to come into the presence of the living and true God. I call those wow moments, and uh, today we've heard some of the things that God is doing around the world, in a sense, when you when you you had that call to worship, love your neighbor as yourself. Who is our neighbors? It's kind of interesting how you got all the lights going around in different ways. Uh, right now, let us reverently attend to the public reading of God's inerrant, infallible scripture. Uh, and it is in the originals it was given by God. We're going to be quoting from Luke chapter 12, verse 24. This is God's word. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? Just think about that for a moment. I'm standing up here surrounded by all these pictures of animals. I don't know which one's your favorite. You should have seen us during Bible school. Uh, but we, had, uh, we weren't focused on the tigers, and we weren't focused on the, uh, the uh, apes. Uh, we were focused on all these different dinosaurs. And it was kind of fun when, when we had oh, this whole sanctuary changed around. Uh, there was tape on the floor in those boxes. You might have seen it in the pictures. And the kids were in there. And on the first day, if you look far, far to the left over there, you'll see there's a tailless dinosaur. So we tried to pin the tail on the dinosaur. It's a good thing it didn't poke it. Uh, the dinosaur was not real and it didn't turn around. But I would have loved to actually heard what a real roar of a dinosaur was like. We had all of these audio tapes and we were playing in the background, you know, all the different sound effects and, and you hear these dinosaurs going. And of course, most of them reflect off of the, uh, the big movie that we showed here at church not too long ago, Jurassic Park. You know, you know what a raptor sounds like. You know what a T-Rex sounds like. And then you hear that... You know, and you get that feeling like, oh no, one of these big dinosaurs is coming. Nobody was there to know. Well, God was there. Adam and Eve was there, but they didn't have any videotape, and, they, and we really don't know. But we had all these kids roaring like an Allosaurus, like a Stegosaurus, like a Tyrannosaurus. It was really fun. I think they used up a lot of vocal cords. A lot of fun. But when you look at this text today, we weren't focused on those amazing animals where Jesus focuses attention on a bird. Now, it's kind of ironic that some of the people in this area, you know, think about the ravens and immediately you go to NFL preseason. <laughs> consider those ravens. Now, let's not consider the NFL team right now. What I want to be able to ask you simply is, is consider the birds. When Jesus mentioned the raven, he could have easily, just like at the beach, consider the seagull. We had a bunch of them flying around. Consider all these amazing animals. Now, in particular, he focuses on this particular bird, and then he says something about the bird. He says how great that bird is, how smart that bird is. You know, that bird has a bird brain, and it, could get, it has a great IQ, right? That's not what Jesus was talking about. 
In fact, if you look at the bird, he ends up making an emphasis here that the bird doesn't have much to boast about. Now, most of us might be jealous of the bird because the bird can fly. Have you ever thought what it'd be like if you were a bird? Where do you fly to? What do you do after you've flown around? You know, then you just got to fly and pick up something and move this and move this. And then it just all becomes monotonous. But it really does seem cool to be a bird, to be able to fly, not have to be stuck in a vehicle or on a bicycle or something like that. But when you consider the birds, Jesus drew the attention to people to say, they don't sow, they don't reap. In other words, they're not farmers. They don't do the stuff. They don't have the grocery stores either because he goes next and he says, they don't have the storehouses or the barns. They don't have the places where they collect the food after you've done all the farming. They don't have the places where they distribute the food after you've done all the farming. He says, they're kind of useless. Consider the birds. They don't do all the stuff you might expect. And yet, then you get this statement. And yet, God does something. He feeds them. I told you this is a short sermon. It's pretty easy to, to digest. When you look around the world that you're living in right now, do you see God's fingerprints? Or are you believing the deception that is being permeated in the education system, in the social media, and even in politics? People may put their hand on the Bible and say, in God we trust, but I don't think they know God to trust him. They don't even look around and say, hey, God's going to take care of us because they don't even notice these things. When they, uh, you know, some of the folks that are all concerned about uh, the ozone layer and about whether we're going to have global warming and all these kind of things, they'll never talk about God taking care of you. They'll never sing the song, Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Why won't they sing it? Because they don't think God's going to provide. Therefore, it's left up to us. Jesus was teaching the people there in Luke chapter 12, and Luke, being a doctor, was focused on a lot of the physical things. And he says, hey, do you see these physical creatures? They're, they're not super special, but he says, God takes care of them. And then there's an application that you can take home from this, which is, of how much more value are they than the birds? How much more value are you than the birds? It's not really asked as a question. It's, it's given to you kind of as an exclamation. It's kind of a rhetorical slap in the face. How valuable are you? Kids, how valuable are you? On the one hand, we were thinking of some of you and saying, man, you make us feel good. We got more than 50 people here. Yay! Or if you were here on one of these days, especially on day three, uh, man, on Friday, they were singing those songs out there. There was a lot of energy to, 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 to go on. And I tell you, maybe it was because Mr. Jack came up here and, we, and he was doing the emotions. You know, God is older than the dinosaur and he taught us to do a big O. It's pretty cool when you think about all the amazing things around us. Yet we don't make the application like we should. This brief message is simply uh, three main points here. First one is God provides illustrations for all people to notice. When you look at that particular text, he says, look at the birds. Now, if you go to Matthew 6 and you see Jesus expand there right in the Sermon on the Mount, he talks about look at the flowers too. Consider the lilies of the field. He also talks about looking at the grass. Now, I like looking at the grass. 
especially after it's mowed. A job well done. But he actually, when he uses the illustration of the grass, he says it's here today and then it's burned up and it's gone. When he looked at the flowers, he said, man, they're beautiful, they smell great, but even Solomon, with all of his riches and glory, he wasn't as beautiful as even a simple little flower. And he says, look at the birds. Look at the birds. God has provided with lots of illustrations. Kids, I hope that you will pay attention to them. In Psalm 19, it says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament shows his handiwork. Day after day, utter speech, night after night shows knowledge. There's no people group, no place where language is spoken, even Spanish, even in Dominican Republic, where people don't realize that order. Everybody's without excuse, Romans chapter 1, verse 25. We all should take notice of these illustrations. Secondly, in the text, God provides sustenance for his creation with or without man's notice. Most of us don't even take notice of anything. If you could have stood in here on Saturday and we had Bob Eldridge, and I think Bob is right around there. Bob stood here and he was trying to show the kids something that was so very fascinating to him. And I don't know if they got it or not. He held up a milkweed and he was saying, look at how it's eaten. I guess you guys weren't excited about it either. But then he showed me some pictures later on how these caterpillars find certain plants, the milkweed, and it just eats it almost like eating an ear of corn. You know, I'm just like watching it eat it. It's like typewriting, if you know. It's like goes across, goes across, goes across, and it eats it. And then, then it's amazing that that caterpillar, kind of as, as Bob was explaining to me, turns into mush. When it gets into the cocoon, it doesn't just keep a brain and keep all this stuff. All of the stuff that's inside of there, all the DNA is still there, but it changes. And then all of a sudden it comes out as a monarch butterfly. And when those wings fill up with the fluid, how quick does it fly away? Is it two hours? Within two hours of filling up the wings, that butterfly that doesn't have any flying lessons, no FAA clearance, it just takes off. And then he was telling us how if you pay attention to those, those uh, butterflies, somehow or other they get up to a high enough atmosphere that they catch the jet stream and they all find their way for a vacation in Mexico. And you said they almost all come to these same areas. It's just how does a butterfly do this? When you consider the illustrations, you can see it's because God has provided sustenance. He feeds them. Now, when you think about that for a moment, we're talking, we were talking to our brother Wilkins about the condition of some of the people in the DR. Now, I'm trying to remember those names. Was it Leona? What was the boy's name? What was it? Onasi. Ah, I'm going to get it down yet. He's an 11-year-old. I remember you telling us about it at the beach, Onasi. Okay, and thinking about him, do you think God's going to feed Onasi? There's a lot of people that seem to go without food. But if God can take care of these creatures, these amazing creatures, what is the value of Onasi? What is your value? Is God going to take care of you? Or do you have to be afraid of everything? Do you have to hide away in cocoon? 
This is where trust in God is so crystally clear and it's so needed. And the point that I've made in the text I realize is that God provides for the birds and the bees and all those other things and most of the time we never notice. The only time we often notice the things is when they're in our way. When they leave droppings where we don't want to step. You know, where we see something that might have rabies. Like the fox that runs around our property. The third point is uh, in that text of Luke 12, 24 is asking that, that, that pungent statement is, do you have much, do you have more value? Do you have more value? And this is where I just dwell with the application is, of course people have more value. We, we definitely have more value because we are different from the animals. I would challenge you, don't ever call yourself an animal. Because an animal is distinct from the human beings in creation. We were all created on day six. We're all the land animals and man were created on day six. And that man, male and female. But if you think about it, the creation of man was very different. And we went through a little bit of it. Open up the Bible to Genesis 1, 2, and 3. And we ended up finding out that Adam and Eve, they, they had a, an, an unconventional creation. Now, if you go to most scientists, they would say, well, it, it, it's not possible by science. Well, guess what? It's not. God created. He spoke and it happened. But the way that he did it is so very fascinating because he ended up making a man. Now, where did he come up with the idea of a man? Did he look in National Geographic and get an idea? If you, if you were able to enter into the mind of God, you know that even before the foundations of the earth, ever before God said, let there be, he had already purposed that he was going to create a being that was in his own image. In his own image. Something that would reflect God. Now, I want you to know, since Jesus walked on this earth and he was God, I want you to know that I believe Adam was fashioned after Jesus, not Jesus after Adam. And I believe when God made Adam, he made him in the likeness that Christ was going to come as, with hands and feet and with a brain. And it's pretty fascinating to think all the things that were in that first Adam in the Garden of Eden. Amazing. And yet when God finished that creation, he didn't say very good. He ended up only saying very good after he put Adam to sleep, took a rib out, and then within hours, he formed Eve, made her so that when he woke up from his anesthesia, he looked at her and said, whoa, man. <laughs> Prettiest thing he'd ever seen. <laughs> what a nap that was. <laughs> He wasn't just dreaming. Uh, now, when, when, you, when you realize that God made us in his image and he didn't make us just like all the other animals, it's because he made us a living soul. I want to read just a few verses and then we'll wrap up in prayer. I want you to, 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 they're on the back of the fourth point if you have them. Otherwise, I'll just read them for you. The scripture says, consider the ravens. They don't sow, they don't reap, they don't have storehouses or barns, yet God cares for them. You have more value than they. Secondly, in Genesis 6, this is where I took folks to, uh, during the, uh, the week this week, uh, I wore a dark suit on Saturday, uh, excuse me, on, on, um, on Friday, I wore a dark suit because I was feeling like it was a funeral. 
The dino troubles. How many of them died? They drowned in the flood. That was a sad day when God closed the door of the ark and everything that wasn't in the ark got, got, got drowned. Now listen to the text, though, and you'll hear God's love in the midst of his, his wrath. You're going to say, this is how you ought to make it, Noah. This is Genesis 6, verse 15. The length of the ark should be 300 cubits, its width should be 50 cubits, and its height should be 30 cubits. Make a roof for the ark and finish it to a cubit above and set the door of the ark in its side. Make it with lower deck, uh, lower second and third decks. For behold, I will bring a flood of water upon the earth to destroy all flesh. Now, that doesn't sound like it's very loving. Because it's all about a holy God saying that he will by no means clear the guilty. He is going to punish sin. And according to Paul in Romans, he says, for the wages of sin is death. That's what God was bringing. He was bringing death. It was going to destroy all flesh in which the breath of life under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall die, including T-Rex. If it's not on the ark. And that's where the good news comes in verse 18. But God says, I care about you. I'm going to establish this covenant I have with you people. And you, Noah, shall come into the ark. And even others that are close to you. You and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. There's going to be eight. Now, this sounds kind of miserable because there was probably a billion people on the earth at this time. They've been able to live up to uh, 969 years old, and they were able to have children into, their, uh, into the multiple centuries. It's kind of amazing to think about that. What was life like? Now, some scientists would say, well, that's not possible. Not possible now. But without God, all things were possible. And when you realize that God actually entered into a covenant with them because he cared... They're more valuable than the birds. And yet, what did God bring on the ark? We taught the kids. The animals, they came on. They came on by twosies, twosies, elephants and kangaroosies, roosies, children of the Lord. You guys should have joined me in singing. <laughs> John chapter 17. Jesus in his high priestly prayer, before he's going to go to Gethsemane, he, we get a glimpse into what was going on in his heart. He's praying to the Father. So we have God the Son praying to God the Father. And he says in verse 24, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am. Jesus is about to go to the cross and he's thinking about you and me? Yes. You have so much more value than the ravens, than the lilies. If I go to uh, Jeremiah 31, this is where he renews the covenant. And I'm wrapping up very soon. At that time, Jesus declares, I will be the God of all the clans of Israel and they shall be my people. This is an echo of what he had told Abraham back in Genesis 12. And I just want you to think about it. The God of the universe who made everything in the space of six days and all very good says, you're mine. He knows you by name. At the beach this morning before we went out into the ocean, and praise the Lord, Sean didn't drown. You got wiped out, man. You could have gotten a seven or eight, you know, for all that motion you had. We had a baptism, and it was really interesting because it's the picture of being engrafted into Christ. And the baptismal language says you must come to Christ as a child. You don't get to come as a grandchild. Your relationship is with Jesus and with the Father is that he is your brother and God the Father is your father. 
not your granddad. He says, at that time, I will make them, you shall be my people, says the Lord, for I have loved them at the end of verse 3. The Lord appeared to him from afar. He says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you. And uh, David in Psalm 8 was one who said, what is man that God, you're mindful of man. He's looking around. David was the one who was the shepherd boy, took care of the sheep. He says, God, you really want to take care of people? They're dumb as sheep. And in chapter 8, he says, what is man that you're mindful of him or the son of man that you would visit him? You made him a little lower than the angels, but you're crowning him with glory and honor. Do you see how all of these verses echo the same message that Jesus gave? You are so much more valuable because you have a living soul. The final verse is from Paul's writing to 1 Corinthians in chapter 15. If you're familiar with the book of Corinthians, it is one of the longest epistles. It was written to a community that lived by the water, almost like we you know, it's almost like our community here. We live by the ocean or by the bay, depending on how you want to, to, to figure it out. They live by the Mediterranean Sea there at Corinth. And uh, Corinth was a sin city. You know, they had that title way before uh, Baltimore had it. Or is that Charm City? Same thing, right? People do whatever they want to do. And in Corinthians, there was some difficulties, but they didn't understand the value of life. And so in chapter Chapter 15 is the resurrection chapter. He says, hey, all of you people. And he doesn't write this to dogs and to cats or to ravens. He says, you people, you have a soul. There's something different about you than anything else on this earth. You're more valuable. And he says, I've done something to guarantee that or to show you that value. I want to read that. So it is with the resurrection what is sown is perishable, but what is raised will be imperishable. What was sown in dishonor will be raised in glory. What was sown in weakness will be raised in power. It is sown, and what is sown in a natural body will be raised a spiritual body. What he's basically saying is, yeah, right now, you've got this thing called a natural body. It's fairly weak. It's fairly frail. It has some dishonor. It's perishable. And guess what? It's got a sin nature. You want to get rid of that. But you're not free to get rid of it on your own. You can't do anything to get it. If you guys were to fill up that offering box before you leave church with everything in your wallet, including your credit cards, it would not earn you any merit. We might like it. We'd give you the cards back. But that's not how you're going to be saved. God says that he does something different. It is written, the first Adam became a living soul, but the second Adam became a life-giving spirit. The first Adam was the one that was created in God's image, but the second Adam is Jesus Christ, and he is the one who can change your life. He can give you everlasting life. This text says, when you look at the illustrations around Luke 24, I want you to just pause. Had a pastor friend of mine convict me of this recently. He said, being a pastor isn't so easy because you're working with church people. Then he told me that since he's getting a little bit older in life, he's about my age, he told me that, uh, that he's found that he's not as resilient as he used to be. In other words, it's kind of like your skin. It's not as elastic. You know, that's why you get wrinkles. It doesn't snap back. 
But he told me that since he realizes that he doesn't rebound so quick when people hurt his feelings and when people do what people do, when they get all caught up and polarized over COVID and they get polarized over politics and they get polarized over what color the carpet's going to be. They get polarized how they're going to train their kids. Are they going to give them everything they want or are they going to not give them everything they want? There's all this polarization. He told me something. He says, I've never heard it from anybody else. He just says, I have to put hours in my week to go and consider the lilies of the field. I didn't know how to answer that. I got a little jealous. We all have that phrase, take time to smell the... Why? Because if you don't slow down, you'll miss the illustrations. And you'll miss the teaching that Jesus gave. The Holy Spirit's supposed to bring it to remembrance. Jesus said, take time and look. Look at the caterpillar. Look at some of these bombardier beetles. And even look at that giant heart of the giraffe. Or even look at some of these fascinating fossils. When you look, you need to realize that if God will take care of them, how much more value are you than they? And I can tell you, it's so much more value that Jesus left his throne on high and his kingly crown, not for them, but for you. Now, there might be some debate whether some of you are going to have your pets go with you to heaven. I know some of you have really wished it. And you know what? God is able to do exceeding abundantly above what we ask or think. You might be able to see one of those up there. There's supposed to be four living beasts up around the throne. But what the Bible does clearly tell us is that he, his love for individuals is amazing. I hope that you'll come to come to that understanding. Greater love couldn't be shown except that he would lay down his life for his friends. And that's what Jesus did on Calvary's cross. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this simple message. And as we've been studying things in Bible school, we've looked at all these fascinating animals. I pray that we would realize that we're not animals at all. We're people created in your image. And because we're created in your image, you have a purpose. Lord, I pray that you will draw all kinds of people to yourself, that we would be called your people. I pray that you will open up the door uh, so that people might come into Christ just like many went into the ark. Lord, I pray that we might find that the wrath of God upon sin, just like it was poured out by rain and floods in Noah's day, the wrath of God is coming upon the sin today. But it won't come with rain, and it won't come with a flood, but it will come with a judgment of separation. People will be separated from God's grace, and that's an awful place called hell. Lord, I thank you that you bid us to follow you, that you call us by name, and as the good shepherd, you lead your sheep away from, this, from the wayward pass, and you lead us into the pass of righteousness, but first you lead us beside the still waters where our souls are restored. Lord, I pray that you might restore our souls anew today because you love us and you died on the cross to pay for our sins.